Lord, open my mouth that I might show forth your praise and that we might see Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. So, call to ministry. Um, I thought I would begin with um, my story and why I'm teaching on this topic. Um, I moved to Birmingham in 2005 to go to Beeson Divinity School, and um, that was following um, seven years of feeling led to um, a ministry of teaching and preaching on the Word of God. So I'm at Beeson, and I'm praying, um, asking for discernment about what's next. And at that time, the Lord laid on my heart um, young women who also kind of felt a call to um, traditional gospel ministry. Um, I think it also stems from my own experience. Um, I did not grow up in the Episcopal Church. My dad's a Southern Baptist pastor. And um, in my denominational context, um, there weren't resources for someone who felt called or led to this type of ministry. And um, I do believe that the Lord is raising up young women um, for work in this church. And so the idea began of wanting to um, provide resources and to encourage young women in um, their call to um, a gospel ministry. And so that's been over eight years um, where the Lord placed that on my heart. And just this spring, Zondervan offered me a contract to write a book um, on this topic. So I've been thinking about ministry for quite some time. Um, is that a knock on the door? No. Okay. <laughs> um, and so in talking to Gil about this, um, we um, decided to um, offer a class on what is ministry. Hi, Gil. So that's where, that's where I am today, and so some of you might have come here today asking, what is a call to ministry? What is ministry? How, how do you define ministry? And how do you know if you are being called to ministry? At least these are questions that I've been asking myself and thinking um, over the past couple of years. And let me begin by saying that I have no easy or quick answers. Um, I know as Americans, we like a black and white, um, neat and tidy, up at tidy in a bow answers when it comes to questions. Um, but the Bible is not a calling textbook. It's not a science book. It is the Lord's story of how he's redeeming people for himself. Um, but I do believe we can learn a lot about um, how God calls, what God calls people to, what shapes ministry takes, what spheres ministry takes place in. Um, so this week and next week, I hope that we can unpack some of these questions and peel back some of these layers. And I may not answer all, all of your questions. and um, we'll, we'll see um, how far we get. But I hope that even by scratching the sur surface of this topic, that you will leave um, strengthened and encouraged in your call to ministry. Um, so when we hear or use the word ministry, what comes to mind? I can talk because this is a small group. <laughs> Ministers. Thank you. Thank you. Missionaries. Thank you. Um, it is usually in reference to ecclesial ministry of ordained persons um, or another way people who are paid um, to be on staff at a church. And maybe that's what you thought when you read the title. Um, that is one definition that I do have in mind. However, I want us to begin by reorienting our thinking about the word ministry. 
I grew up in churches where it was very prevalent that um, the thought that you had ministers and then you had us. You had people paid to do ministry and then you had the rest of us who were supposed to give, who were supposed to listen and serve as spectators. And this was hard for my dad who was a pastor and my mom. They um, felt a um, huge burden for the nations and so when they would go to a church they would want to equip people to go on mission trips. But when you have that kind of mentality that you have a few reserved for ministry, then you have the rest of us. It was hard to get them excited. Um, what also happened was there was a dichotomy and a hierarchy of sorts. So you have them and you have us. Um, but is this a biblical understanding of ministry? Probably no. the answer, no. Um, and what I'm going to say the rest of um, this class can be summed up in this little paragraph that I'm going to say to you now. And that is the moment of your salvation, the moment you began to believe and the Holy Spirit came upon you, is the moment each of you were called to ministry. Ministry began the day you became a disciple. If you are a Christian, you do not need to wonder or try to decipher if you are called. You are called. The question is whether or not you are going to be obedient. And obedience is a sign of salvation. So, welcome. If you did not know you were called to ministry, you are all called to ministry. <laughs> um, when we turn to scripture, we find that the type of calling that is most often talked about in the Bible, and so you can use other words besides calling. What are some other, some of the same concept, different words that you find in scripture about calling? Commissioned, set apart. Yes, election, set apart, chosen. Um, what do you think is, um, how is that used most in the Bible? In reference to God calling us to you? To salvation. No, I know, right? So I um, was doing a survey, and the use of the word calling is used mostly in reference to our salvation, which makes sense because the Bible is interested in telling us about how God is calling people to his own. So we find this over and over again in Scripture. What is the mission of God? What do you think is the mission of God? We were just talking about this. Yes. So uh, I, this phrase in scripture is one of my favorites, and um, you find it a lot in the prophets. God is talking about um, his heart, and what does he say? I will be their God, and they will be my people. So you see that in the beginning with the creation of people, and the prophets, and then the revelation, you see the physical reality matching the spiritual reality. I will be their God, and they will be my people, and I will wipe the tears from their eyes. So this is his mission to redeem and make holy people for himself. So it's no surprise that when scripture talks about calling, it is mostly for this reason. So we have some passages of scripture and if just volunteer um, one person for each number, um, one through five. If y'all will just read those. By the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Great. So in Paul's address to the Christians in Rome, he refers to their salvific calling, which unites them all. 
including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. I therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Thank you. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Christ Jesus, to, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with His blood. But just as He who calls you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, "Be holy, because I am holy." So, what are we called? We are called to belong to Jesus. We are called to be holy saints. We are chosen by God for the sanctifying work through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus. So what we read are not optional callings, right? I think of the young boy or girl or soldier or someone in the reserves who said they get their papers and they've said I've been called up. I've been called up. It's not a matter whether or not that person's going to go. It's just a matter of when they're going to go. Our calling is not an option. And thus, because we've been called to belong to God, we are commissioned, chosen, called, whatever word you want to use, to live like we belong to him. So what does this look like for us as believers? Um, Since I know you all know scripture, um, what are some commands that... um, that we are given as Christians in the New Testament, that all it's for all believers. What are we commissioned to do? Abide in them and bear much fruit. Yes. To the honor and glory of his name. Yes. Be salt. Yes. Love one another. Love one another. Y'all are getting it. Let your light so shine before me. Yes. What about the Great Commission? to make disciples, to go to the ends of the earth. Acts 1-9, you're to be my witnesses. Um, what about our call to the lowly, the outcast? To share with whoever has need, to care for the widows, the orphans, uh, the sojourners. Right? There's a lot in the New Testament about what this looks like, what our ministry is supposed to look like. Um, So a call as a believer to ministry is not abstract, right? It has grit. It has traction. It has responsibilities. It has actions and parts to play. Have you ever thought of yourself as a minister? Have you ever viewed your call to salvation as a call to ministry? If you are still uncomfortable with this idea, we're going to read 1 Peter. Um, would someone read that passage in 1 Peter? They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also... Oh, start back. Oh, sorry. As you come yeah, to him. Uh, right. That's okay. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, 
The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you. So I like to think of First Peter as a priestly manual, like a, you know, you get a car manual or uh, it tells you um, how something works. First Peter is like a priestly manual. Um, he gives all kinds, if you were to read, if you haven't read First Peter in a while, um, if you were to read through it, he gives all kind of practical, divinely inspired wisdom on how to be holy, how to live holy in different situations, suffering, persecution, um, as a spouse, um, as you relate to your government. Um, but here near the beginning of the letter, Peter grounds his admonitions to holiness in a foundational, spiritual, priestly reality that we are chosen by God to be God's people, set apart as priest. So if you didn't know that you were a minister now, you should know that you are also a priest. <laughs> um, we are all called to be priests. We are all called to be ministers. Notice how he begins. He begins with an analogy of a building. And not just any building, um, it's a priestly building, a temple. And who is Jesus? He is just a living stone. Um, he quotes there from three uh, Old Testament passages. Um, one of them is Psalm 118, which is the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. Um, Jesus is who holds the temple together. It is through him, on him, together with him that we are built as God's people. Um, he is the foundation of the temple. Isn't it interesting that uh, Peter says that Jesus was chosen by God? Do you notice that? He was chosen by God to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. Um, and then this God who chose, the Father who chose the Son, is the same Father who chose you and chose me. Isn't that great? Um, he is a God who chooses, who calls, who elects. In fact, Jesus' election is simultaneously our election for salvation. This means that he is elected to be for us. So if Jesus is chosen to be for us, he's going to call us. Our, our calling is um, woven together with um, the calling of the Son. And he makes some comparisons. Y'all notice this? So Jesus is called the living stone, and who are we to be? Like living stones. Um, God, uh, chosen by God, and there in verse 9, but you are a chosen people. So the same God who chooses Jesus chooses us. Um, it's not explicit here, but implicit. Who is the great high priest? Hebrews. Jesus. Right. And who are we to be? Priest. So we are to reflect our Lord and Savior. Um, we are called to be like Jesus, to not only be the temple of God, but the priests who serve within the temple of God. Um, and he uses two words here to describe the kind of priest we are to be in Jesus. Um, two adjectives. Do you see it? He mentions it at the beginning. We are to be a what kind of priesthood? 
Holy, thank you. And then I heard it over here. Yes. So holy means that we are consecrated by God to serve him, and royal means that we belong to the king. Isn't that beautiful? We're called to be both holy and royal priests. Now look in these verses. What is our purpose as priests? The purpose of our ministries. Thank you. To declare the praises of God. Now, how does he describe God here? He could have said the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He could have used a lot of descriptions of God, but he is what kind, who is our God that we're declaring the praises of? Yes. He yes. He says um, him who called you. Declare the praises of the God who called you. So again, God is being identified by what he is doing for us and calling us. And we are to praise the God who has called us to be ministers, who has called us to be priests. Isn't that beautiful? We are to declare the praises of God. We are to be ministers of worship. That is the central part of our ministry. Um, you know, we, uh, I think about this. I love how Deborah has on her collar. I do, because sometimes I really wish that I wore a collar. Because it's very easy to leave on Sunday morning and leave our priestly garments behind at the door. And then on Sunday morning, pick them back up again. But Deborah has a visible reminder that she, who she serves and that she represents Christ. And even though we don't have a collar or priestly garments, I think that's how we should um, pray and, and reflect on that as we are walking in this world and going in our different vocations and our different spheres of life, that we too are wearing our priestly garments. It's not something that we can just dis- discard at the door. Um, it is God who has called us to be priests. And another interesting element to God being the one who has called us, which I love and I've been claiming this morning, is that it does not depend on us. Isn't that great? That our ministry and our role as priests does not depend on our ability or our willpower or our holiness. It depends on the God who has called us because it is his calling and it is for his glory. So he is the one who enables us to minister There is a second purpose to our call as priest, and it goes with this idea of wearing priestly garments. It's not explicit in this passage, but remember how I talked about the mission of God? What is the mission of God? For God to be. Yes, to create and redeem a people for himself. Do you notice that kind of language popping up in this passage? What, What does it say? Yeah, let me pull it. He, um, yes, and once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So that mission of God, that he is to have a people for himself, is mentioned here again. So our calling as priests and as ministers is always in conjunction with the mission of God. We are to join in the mission of God. We are to join in drawing people to himself. So we are to be, um, the, the central part of our ministry is to worship, but it's also to join him in his mission. It has a vertical element and a horizontal element. 
um, that we are to draw people to God. We are to point to the great high priest. Um, This is not something new in the New Testament, so I don't have my sheet with me, but I think it's the next, the last two or three passages from the Old Testament. Um, Israel was created to be a people chosen by God for what purpose other than to, of course, be and to offer God praise. It was, they were to be a thank you, a light to the nations. They were to be a light to the nations. So would someone just, um, different people can volunteer to read these last verses. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I'm going to stop there. So in the Old Testament, you have Levitical priests, right? And that's something we're going to talk about next week. Um, But Israel was also supposed to be a kingdom of priests. So it's not something new that we find in the the New Testament. Israel, the um, members of God's people, were also called to be priests. Okay. Second. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. Thank you. And I don't think this got printed. Is there an Isaiah 2, 2 through 3? I did. Oh, it did? Yeah. Someone read that one. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. Thank you. I mean, I didn't put Joel in there, but um, Joel prophesies, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And what happens in Acts after the Holy Spirit, right? understand what's happening in light of Thank you. Thank you. Did y'all hear what Deborah said? You can say it louder. Okay. Uh, I said that. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to ask. No, well, no. Um, in Acts 2, Joel, uh, Peter, when he gets up to explain what's happening at Pentecost, mm-hmm. he is, uh, it's actually like a sermon based on Joel 2, and he uses Joel 2 to mm-hmm. say, see, God promised this. He promised that his Holy Spirit would be poured out, not just on the priests or the kings or the prophets, mm-hmm. as old, but upon a much wider selection, upon all of God's people, upon young and old, um, rich and poor and men. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So in um, the Old Testament, Israel was to serve as a kingdom of priests, to be a light to the nations. Um, it's interesting, too, when you read the book of Acts and you see how God is using his people. Um, Stephen, he was one of the seven called to serve tables, right, to minister to the needs of the people. But he also preaches. Um, we see uh, Paul talk about uh, that we're all gifted. We're all given spiritual gifts to use within the church. Um, so our, our, our calling as believers is to be those who not only worship the Lord, but draw people to himself. Um, I'm going to stop there. Do you all have any questions or thoughts? I feel like I'm going pretty fast. Can you say what a priest is? Oh, Deborah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I know. So. Or what one does. Right. Um, 
Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking both as the priesthood of all believers and um, the call of the Levitical type priest. Um, but it is to stand in between God and people to mediate. And so um, you see that in sacrifices, in prayers in the Old Testament, um, and then um, in the New Testament. This is why it's so cool in Hebrews um, that Jesus is the great high priest. So we don't need to go through another human. Um, Jesus is the one who gives us access to the Father. So at the Reformation, and I might be getting some of my facts incorrect here, but there is an emphasis at the priesthood of all believers. We do not need to go to a Catholic. Uh, at that time, um, Catholicism was the um, dominant Christian um, there was only one denomination. Uh, so they would go to priests for forgiveness of sins. And so in the Reformation, you had the emphasis of, no, we, we all can go straight to Jesus Christ, to our Father through Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. Um, and th- I'm going to reference this later, but this is a new book that just came out called Representing Christ, A Vision for the Priesthood of All Believers. And I've used that a little bit today, um, and I'm going to read from it here at the end. Um, but I recommend, I haven't read it from cover to cover, but it seems like a really good book. And it talks um, more about what Deborah has asked about and the um, not only... Um, what the Bible says, says, but the historical context of the priesthood of all believers. Um, so that's why this, this question about ministry, um, I think, needs to be grounded first in our call as believers, that we are all called to be holy priests before the Lord and to be ministers. Anything above and beyond that uh, must be first grounded in that, in, who, in, in, in our call as um, Believers and as priests. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Good question. Well, I think too, because of the once and for all nature of what Christ has done for us, Mm -hmm. thank goodness we don't have to, every time we sin, again, we repent, but there's no new offering made for our sin. Right. And that's certainly not what's going on when we have Holy Communion. But that's, that's the Catholic mindset is that that is, you know, there is this ongoing Mm -hmm. need for atonement to continue to be made. But our atonement is once and for all. And so even as his holy priesthood, we operate out of his identity and his righteousness Mm -hmm. on our behalf and his once and for all. Right, right. Um, And really, I think part of it, too, is I love how you said a mediator. Mm -hmm. And I think about it, too, as intermediary. Mm -hmm. You know, come with me to church. Right. Right. Intercession. An escort. Yeah. You know, an inviter. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I I want you to be a part of our VBS. It's so great. I really want you to... I, will you come with my children to right. VBS this week? Mm-hmm. Or, and that's something we all do. Right. To bring people to the source. Again, mm-hmm. one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Mm-hmm. That's so well put. And this idea of us being priests has nothing to do with us needing to stand um, in between our unsaved neighbor and God, um, but rather to display the glory of God to point to the great high priest. So we serve as, I've always heard it said, the arms and the feet and the hands of Jesus Christ. Um, and to view and to view our, our lives that way. Sometimes we, um, and I know this has been true for my life, we view ministry in one sphere of our life, and then the rest of our life is secular. 
you know, ministry doesn't touch these other aspects, or I don't view um, what I'm doing in in the in the light that I'm called to be a minister of the Lord, pointing to Christ, or using opportunities that I'm given um, in situations that aren't really ministerial, but to minister. Um, so I think that's where the Bible reorients my thinking. Like I'm not just a minister here or at VBS or on Sundays or to my husband or to my children. I am clothed in the righteousness of God, which, um, which um, I'm called to point to Jesus. So um, thank you. That's no, I, I no, I love it. I love it. Um, so where does this leave us today? or in conclusion of this little um, segment. And this is repetitive, but that is God calls people to relationship with himself through his son Jesus. And at the moment of our salvation, we were simultaneously called to ministry within the church and the world. Um, The call of every believer is to be part of that holy priesthood, which means we are all consecrated to ministry. Um, he gives each of us gifts. We're not reading 1 Corinthians 12, but he gives us each gift to use within the church and the world to bring glory and worship to God and to draw others to God. We are called to prostrate and to proclaim. We are called to praise and to preach. So my question, one of my questions to you is, are you being obedient to God by doing the work and ministry of every believer? And I don't know what that will look like. I know we have a tendency in our culture to want to do it all and to feel guilty if we're not doing this, ministry, this church ministry and this one. I didn't volunteer this time at VBS or I didn't do this. Um, but God calls us to um, live holy lives, consecrated to God, and then he will direct our paths to where he needs us to serve um, within the church. Um, perhaps today you realize that you have... Um, reserved ministry for Sunday um, and not for other um, spheres of your life. Um, Perhaps you never thought about how you take off your priestly garments when you leave the church doors and only to put them on when you return again. Or perhaps you never thought about yourself as a minister or priest or that what you do for the Lord is ministry. Um, I don't know where your hearts are at or what the Lord is doing in each of your lives, so I'll leave that to the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we are each given vocations and spheres in which to minister. Some of us are called to be teachers, um, to stay at home, to raise our children, to be bankers, to be administrators, marketers. Um, And I believe that God has gifted us and given us the abilities to minister in the world through our vocations and that you're to take the gospel and serve as a light to the nations in your workplace, wherever that is. In the same way, I believe and hope that next week, to demonstrate next week, that God calls some of us to serve as ministers, capital M, to the lowercase ministers. Um, That that's another sphere of ministry, to administer the sacraments, to preach the gospel, to plant churches, to train future ministers of the gospel, and to serve among the poor. Sometimes when I talk to people, they might feel like, oh, he or she's better than me because she's called or he's called to be a full-time evangelist or a missionary or a church planner or an ordained minister that serves the sacraments. And that's not true. Um, Just as a doctor is not any better than his patient, um, but has been gifted to to serve the patient just as as a teacher is not better than her pupils, 
um, ministri- minist- traditional ministers within the church um, are no better than any other Christians. It doesn't make them more special. Actually, in Scripture, you see that the, the worst of these, <laughs> I mean, think about it, David, Moses, and we can just go and name all of them, are, um, are mur- you know, murderers and adulterers. Those, those are who God uses and calls um, in ways to give God more glory. So um, it's not an us versus them. They are more special than me. It's just another sphere of, of ministry that God has called some to be. So we'll talk about that next week if you want to come back. Um, and if your heart is being strangely warmed to ministry, um, do y'all know where that quote comes from? Wesley. Yes, Wesley. Do you know what he was talking about? His conversion. Right. He was talking about his conversion. But I think that's the description of any time God is working in our hearts and lives. And any time the word of God confronts us is that our hearts are strangely warmed. Um, in fact, there there's a really good biography on um, John Newton. Do you all know who that is? He wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. He worked. He was the one that was one of the influencers of William Wilberforce. There's a really good movie called Amazing Grace. Um, that there's a little scene of John Newton, um, but there's a wonderful biography, and he talks about his conversion, and then his desire to be an Anglican minister, and he says um, his desire was warmed. That God warmed this desire and this and his heart. Um, so if your heart is feeling strangely warmed, it may be that the Holy Spirit is calling you to lean into the called priestly life that comes from being a child of God. Um, that may manifest itself in volunteering more in the church, leading a small group, starting a Bible study at work, ministering to foreign students at UAB. I don't know what the Lord is calling you to do. Um, it may mean that the Holy Spirit is calling you to a vocation of ordained ministry within the church. Um, or to church planning, and Deborah would be a great person to talk to you about that, um, more so than me. Um, the writers of this book, I said I was going to reference this, um, they ask at the end some really good questions. They ask, so what? So what if the priesthood of all believers is fleshed out in faithful ways at home, at church, and in the world? What will be the result? Aren't those good questions? Like, you always have to ask, so, so what? And so they say, the beauty of God will be revealed in the world. The beauty of God's kingdom will be unveiled. And that beauty of Christ will bring glory to the Father as it is displayed in sacrificial suffering and service on behalf of the world. The end has already begun. We now serve a day and night before the throne in worship, work, and witness. Like one of the first Christian songwriters, we too can sing, I am a priest of the Lord, and I serve him as a priest. Isn't that beautiful? So um, we are all called to ministry. We're all called to be priests. And the next week, we're going to just go through and talk about um, some people in Scripture like Moses, Jeremiah, David, and look at a call to more um, ecclesial the traditional understanding of ministry within the church. Do you all have more questions? Well, there's a great text that illustrates the point you're making in describing the relationship between ecclesial leaders and people of God. In Ephesians, where it says, and the appointed son and the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints, which is us all, for the work of ministry. Exactly. 
Exactly. So it's to equip them for ministry, right, and not equip them to be spectators or um, people, um, clients. Um, <laughs> consumers, right, um, which I don't get that sense here at the Advent. That's one reason I love the church. Um, I have experienced that in other settings and in the past. And I think as our human natures, it's very easy in this consumer culture to just be feed me, feed me, feed me, and um, to leave and not have any responsibilities. But thank you for bringing that up, yes. Um, and that's why, that's why it's a double answer. You know, at the beginning, I was like, there's no easy answer. We're all called to ministry. And then there are some that are called to a specific type of ministry to equip the ministers. Um, so you need to, both understandings, I think. I think what's interesting, too, about that passage from Ephesians is that the ones, the fivefold ministry, are those, who are, those are the ordainable gifts understood by the church. And those are the ones we normally associate with ministry, and yet the ministry is the ministry of the body, the ministry of the people mm-hmm. to the world that's broken and in need of the gospel. And it's mm-hmm. just so exciting to see God desires to use every single person for his glory and for his purposes and to accomplish exactly. his mission. And, um, and so then really the role of the ordained ministry mm-hmm. or those who are recognized as teachers is to do exactly what you're doing, mm-hmm. which is equipping every single person mm-hmm. to do the work. Right. And we, and maybe hopefully next week we can get to it, but there are so many excuses to just do ministry. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm, I'm too much of a sinner. I'm, um, my parents won't approve. I don't know. You name it. There are a lot of excuses um, that would keep us from being obedient and faithful to the Lord's call in our life. Um, when I was a student at Beeson, some of my favorite um uh, colleagues, other students, were the older students, and they were actually Adventers, like Fran Cade mm-hmm. and um, Kathy Jacobs um, and some others. So there are um, many excuses, but it was fun, it's so fun to watch when people don't use those excuses, and they are faithful and obedient, and the Lord is glorified. So thank you all for coming. Um, I'm going to just pray us out. I, I believe this is a prayer from John Calvin. I should have brought the reference to that. Um, but I'm going to read this uh, prayer. Oh God, may we learn so entirely to devote ourselves to thy service and each of us to be so attentive to the work of his or her calling that we may strive with united hearts to promote the honor of thy name and also the kingdom of thine only begotten Son until we finish our warfare and come at length into that celestial rest which has been obtained for us by the blood of thine only Son. Amen.